Hey everyone, it's Anna, and welcome to This Must Be Pop. Joshua Scott, J.C. Shazay, one of the inspirations of our podcast. In this episode of our three-part J.C. series, I sit down with Sasha, a musician, photographer, and NSYNC superfan. Sasha also happens to be a childhood friend of mine, and we basically have a grown-up version of a conversation we would have when we were preteens. We talk about JC as our favorite member of NSYNC, his standout moments during his time in NSYNC, as well as the beginnings of him as a solo artist. We also couldn't help ourselves and spend a little more time on NSYNC as a group and what it was like to see them live. We hope this helps frame the tone and direction of the next episode of JC, the solo artist. If you're looking for something that's more about JC and his solo career, tune into the next part of our JC series, because this episode is really just scratching the surface. We hope you all enjoy. The king of boy bands, Mr. J.C. Chazé. J.C. is known to many as one-fifth of the band in sync, but to his fans, he is known and thought of as the most talented member and vocal heart and soul of the group. Prior to joining NSYNC, in the early 90s, J.C. was one of the lead cast members of the all-new Mickey Mouse Club. Even as a Mouseketeer, he became known for his impressive dancing and singing abilities. While in NSYNC, J.C. was the lead vocalist alongside Justin Timberlake. J.C. had a bit of a different style than Justin. He had a much more soulful, mature, yet powerful voice that stood out not only within NSYNC, but with all of the other boy bands at that time. His vocal abilities include an estimated four-octave range, which is so impressive. And he has displayed his perfect tone and pitch while performing complex and powerful dance moves with NSYNC and during his solo career. While in NSYNC, JC began to explore his passion for music, songwriting, and production, and is credited as the co-creator of some of NSYNC's fan favorite and popular songs. Today, JC continues to be a songwriter and producer for other artists, but unlike his fellow bandmates, he stays mostly out of the spotlight. JC has a fascinating story that we are going to discuss and explore, but first, let's discuss JC and NSYNC a little more. I have a guest with me today, my dear friend Sasha. Welcome. Thank you very much. Very happy to be here. Thank you so much for being here. I can kind of do your little introduction or you can. Totally up to you what you want to do, uh, how you want to approach it. I'm happy it. to do it. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Sasha. I'm a Boston area musician and photographer whose portrait work often focuses on musicians. I work at a couple of record companies doing promotional images. I've worked with a lot of press, photographing local musicians. Currently, I don't have anything publicly tied to InSync, but privately, I have way too many purchases from their recently revived merchandise store. <laughs> Which is so appropriate considering... JC curates their merchandise store. So <laughs> he does a very good job. Every time an email comes through, I immediately open it. I'm like, what can I get this time? Yeah. I did you get their wine glasses? No. I have their like stemless wine glasses. I've already broken one. The label has basically come off of the other one. Um, but I, I drink I mean, I drink anything I can drink out of that glass. It's in my hand every night. Uh, sparkling water to an adult beverage. I'm like <laughs> I always have an instant glass in my hand. That's amazing. <laughs> what a what a life you live, Sasha. <laughs> and so I've been essentially a lifelong in sync fan. 
and I never even went through a period of denying that. I was thinking about that today too. There was never, because I, I play in a lot of punk bands and exist a lot within that scene. And there was never a period when I was like 14 or 16 where I was like, oh no, I don't like NSYNC anymore. I've just always been like, yeah, man, like no denying it. Can I, can I just say this is why I always just loved you <laughs> because, because I'm like Sasha is validating my love of NSYNC because I also we we like a lot of the same music totally. a lot of the same like punk and indie you, music you too. you know so. all the punk references yeah, yeah completely <laughs> so I I was like Sasha understands me Sasha is probably one of the only people in this world that understands me <laughs> So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's it, really. I've carried my love with it for NSYNC with me throughout my life, and it probably has, in many ways, influenced my taste in music. And again, I'll never deny liking pop music, and I do believe that NSYNC and JC did that better than even anyone recently. So do you want to talk about your own identity and how it kind of relates to your love of NSYNC, JC, and all that? Sure. I use... The she, her, or they, them pronouns, and I have no preference or particular connection to any of those pronouns. If you truly ask my preference on how to refer to me, I'd say I like to just be called Sasha, but can't be offended by any use of pronouns. If you want to talk about this, so you identify as pansexual. I do identify as pansexual. How did your love of, you know, boy bands in sync, how did that kind of help or kind of guide you through your sexual identity? I don't know if it did so directly. I really... I've always thought of, you know, it's a group of very handsome men. I will say, again, thinking about this today and knowing this question might come up, they, and it, whether it's an image crafted by them or an image crafted by the record company and the media, I'm not sure, but they've never been hyper-masculine. Um, and other than their initial stint in Europe where they were like, uh, very European, for lack of a better word, they, they've never been super feminine either. It's, it's always been, again, uh, somewhat fluid. And I talk, a, I'll, will happily talk about what I think about Harry Styles at any point. But what I like about NSYNC being able to set that is I don't think we would have Harry Styles and I don't think we would have Harry Styles pushing the gender envelope had groups like NSYNC not been around first to just dip their toes in that water. And we talk about this a little more. I mean, I'm not totally up to date on current boy bands, but I do think Lance Bass is still one of the only openly gay members of most successful mainstream boy bands. And, and yeah, and he brings that to it. But even then, he very much operates within the realm of being a cis man. And I, I, I think that's cool. I didn't want to interrupt, but I meant to mention John Knight from New Kids on the Block is also one of the few openly gay boy band members from a big, well-known boy band. But back to Sasha. So my pansexuality is at no point challenged by my love for NSYNC. They are at no point in conflict with one another. It really complements and they can coexist happily together. And I think that's really cool. There's plenty of acts from the 2000s that you can't say that about. Absolutely. And I think kind of to the point of NSYNC and also other boy bands not being super masculine. Marie Sherman actually talks about this in her book, Larger Than Life, The History of Boy Bands. And that's kind of one thing that makes boy bands so unique is that they they don't represent toxic masculinity totally. for the most part. They are open with expressing themselves, they're expressing their feelings, and people are attracted to that. 
I think that it's just, it's something that is very unique in the music industry, specific to boy bands, how they are not hyper-masculine. I also think it's really interesting, especially when you're talking about late 90s, early 2000s music. One of the other major um, music styles that was really popular during that time was new metal. And kind of seeing the contrast between a lot of the boy bands during that time not being hyper-masculine and then seeing the new metal guys just being super duper masculine, just kind of like the antithesis to that was just an interesting contrast to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was even, even some of the people they collaborated with, I was thinking they are, I mean, we don't need to really get into Nelly's downfall, but you know, Nelly did a series of things that negatively affected women. And NSYNC did the collaboration with them. And then so I revisited the girlfriend music video recently because I was unable to recall how the women were dressed in it or really what happened. And again, it's all really respectful. And whether that is NSYNC pushing that or it is, again, the record company pushing that, I'm not sure. But it it holds up as a result. And that's really nice to be able to see those things and be like, I can still enjoy this <laughs> and not feel bad. Exactly. And the other thing about the girlfriend music video is there's a lot of women of color in there. Totally. So I, that was just really cool to see because you don't really see too many other boy bands of that time. It was definitely something that was not ignored by the fans of color of NSYNC for sure. Cool. Okay. So you kind of talked a little bit to me about your love of NSYNC. Did you like any of the other boy bands? Uh, not as much. Yeah. I had a decent collection of music and I'd always try it out if something new came by. And I, I did. I, I have a massive collection of NSYNC CDs. I was 11 and I was seeking out like international releases and rare EPs and things like that. It's the only music collection I have like that. That is like, it's like almost complete. I probably have an O-Town album. I had a couple Backstreet Boys albums as well as, you know, LFO, uh, especially with, you know, there's like some Boston pride in the whole LFO thing. So I had both their albums, but I just nothing did I enjoy or follow as deeply as I did with NSYNC. You know, there hasn't, like, there's like not a good place for me to put this in the podcast, but I should tell you this at some point in our lives, and I won't name drop them, but there was a local band in the Boston area and uh, I've always been friendly with a lot of their members Um, several of my best friends have kind of rotated through their band and one of them the front man started a production studio in his like I think his mom's house and they but they were they got to be pretty big on the emo hardcore type of scene and when Chris Kirkpatrick went through his like (gasps) pop punk phase he came up to Boston and recorded at that studio and I saw photos and I I was texting all my best friends who were in the band at the time just being like I can't believe I'm three degrees from Chris Kirkpatrick right now and nobody told me um but he was in town and he did a couple tracks with that band that is amazing yeah. I just found out about Nigel's 11 oh, you, you know as really? research for the podcast I had no idea about it it's they're, they're not still together right I don't believe I so, no. it's a short-lived thing yeah but yeah it was very funny to see like people I knew on bills with Chris Kirkpatrick that is amazing yeah. this <laughs> close <laughs> <laughs> I love that who would have thought? That? <laughs> Such a weird turn. But also, I and I mentioned this a little bit about a couple of the reasons I think InSync works, but one of the reasons I think it works collectively as a whole is because Joey 
even JC to some extent, but Joey, Lance, and Chris don't appear to have egos. They don't seem to need to be in the front doing anything. And it's rare you wind up in a band like that where, you know, sometimes the best thing for a song is two chords and you have a guitarist who wants to prove that they can play more than two chords. And so the fact that Joey, Chris, and Lance didn't really pursue solo pop careers, I despite the fact that they could have written on that instant Kai at least for a little bit, I think is indicative of like the general lack of ego. And I love that. I love that when they split up, Chris was able to pursue a pop punk career and InSync diehard fans didn't even know about it. Like it's, it's so separate from what he was doing with the pop group. It's just, it's awesome. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And, and, and I never really thought of it that way, but it, you're so right. So indulge me for a moment. As a musician, please explain to the listeners why NSYNC is better, not only than Backstreet Boys, but all the other boy bands of both that time and to have ever existed. Sure. I think it's a very tough thing to pin down. Why are some songs hits and why aren't others? But NSYNC so consistently delivers quality music. Uh, I think their harmonies are unreal and it's not a production trick. It's five voices who understand how to complement one another. Joey, Chris, and Lance are so willing to blend in the back and create a full sound as opposed to try and take the lead at any point. And the other thing too is there hasn't been a boy band that has had a true five-part harmony arrangement Mm -hmm. either. One Direction kind of modeled themselves a little bit after Backstreet Boys where it's more of a three-part harmony Mm -hmm. and it's it's just interesting that no one's tried to replicate that probably because not a lot of people can right and i i think a little bit of it again does go back to even calling it egos might be unfair but just the majority of main vocal parts are written for tenors and so if you want to be a lead male singer and you want to sing songs it's most likely to work out for you if you are a tenor and so one direction i mean i think they have three or four tenors in that group and that's why they all rotate leads so much and it in a sense, works for them because then any song can be a One Direction song and anybody in the band can sing it. But you do, you lose out on the full sound, you lose out on the five-part harmonies. Every song where Lance takes like one or two lead lines and hits those really deep notes, it like, yeah, it's a feeling that I love and you can't get that when you have four or five tenors. And so there's a little bit of that going on too. I also think their sound and career have an overall trajectory that really works. They grew so much between the major releases. Lyrics and compositions grew more complex. And yet, at no point is there ever a question if it's an NSYNC song. I could hear six unreleased songs from each album and immediately be able to peg that that's exactly what they were. It's cohesive throughout their discography, and we can talk a little bit more about this later, and I'm sure we will. But I am in the camp of people who think that cohesion was one of the reasons that JC's solo career didn't take. I'm sure we'll discuss this, but InSync had so many production resources and quality consultants to talk to, to advise them throughout their careers that JC didn't get. And had he, I think his solo career would have been more reflective of his abilities. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's beautifully said, Sasha. Was it beautiful? I'm not sure. But I, <laughs> I can edit that. it to be beautiful. <laughs> Let's get into JC specifically. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Here's why we believe that JC is the most talented boy band member to ever exist. One, he has a documented four octave range. I think he could easily sing every other vocalist in the band's parts. Which he's done. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've heard the demo for She's the Max. I haven't. Oh, okay. So it's a song that JC wrote with Alex Greggs, his writing partner. Mm-hmm. And 
I believe that it was written during the period of, you know, the quote unquote hiatus, like the first couple of years of the hiatus. When we believed it was a hiatus. Exactly. And they were supposed to go back and it was one of the leaked demos that he had written during that time. And he sang literally everyone's parts. And he even stylized his voice to sound like Justin's. Cool. Which was actually, it's really cool to hear. So I will have to check that out. That sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) Even Justin has commented on JC's vocal abilities. And there is a 2006 MTV News article talking about Justin and JC's collaboration on the Kate album. And Justin literally says, out of all the boy bands, call them what you will, he was one that could outsing all of us. And I think that that is such a true statement. Absolutely. <laughs> and in terms of the four octave range, I have done a lot of research for this podcast. I cannot find another boy band member that has anything close to that. No. Maybe Wanya Morris from Boys to Men is probably the closest. And again, just to like I'm I'm speculating here. I don't know what really happened, but InSync and Boys to Men are we're both early enough in the boy band craze that I do think to some extent their music ability is what qualified them to be in a band together. Very shortly after that, with NSYNC and Backstreet Boys' particular successes, the bands became so much more about image and so much less about music ability that the people who can sing are some of the earlier people who had to prove themselves to be in the band, whereas, again, later on, it just became more image-focused. Yeah, that's a really good point. A couple more points I wanted to make note of as to why JC is the most talented boy band member ever. One is his dancing. JC is by far the best dancer in NSYNC and most other boy bands. He was just all power and always gave 110%. Watch any live performance of NSYNC's and it's pretty evident that he is a step above them all. There's a reason why he was a judge on MTV's America's Best Dance Crew. Secondly, JC is an incredible songwriter and producer and began learning these skills while in NSYNC by producing pop groups like Wild Orchid. And as we get into, JC also wrote a bunch of songs for NSYNC. So I don't know if you've kind of noticed this, and I don't know if you've kind of kept up with things going on on the interwebs, but there's been kind of a snowball effect with JC and people kind of coming, having kind of like a coming to (laughs) the other JC. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Coming to JC moment where they're like, holy crap, this guy can really sing. He can really dance. Like He's incredible. And, you know, I've always loved JC. J- I've, I've identified from literally day one that JC yeah. was and is the most talented of all in the NSYNC members. But I was just like, duh, where have you yeah. been? <laughs> there have been so many people I've had to apologize to. I've gone back to like friends from like sixth grade and been like, you were right. Like, I knew he was good, but I'm in the camp where I only recently started being like, but he was so good. Right. That is true. Because now that we have the perspective of different music styles and and different talents, going back to this as adults, we're just like, wow, he really was that talented and even more talented than we even remembered. Yeah. So, yeah, you and I are on the same exact page. Did you read um, Lance Bass's book? I didn't know. It's okay. It's it's interesting in many regards, and it's it's an easy read. There is one thing where he talks about, like, really early on in the band, and I think they're in a photo shoot in Europe, and it's, like, the time that his hair gets bleached for the first time. It's when they're all being styled to be who they are, and how JC didn't even have to get touched because he had, like, very classic movie star good looks. And that's it's very true. I mean, even 
when you look back at all the guys across all the boy bands, it's so many of them are stylized. And then there's JC and you're like, dude, not only can you sing, but you are a very good looking human. Yes. Perfect cheekbones. Gorgeous blue eyes. Yeah. And I talked about this on the Ready to Fall podcast, but I was always super attracted to him, but I was like, he's 12 years older than me and I'm nine years old. (laughs) (laughs) I I can understand the obstacles even at this age. But I I was like, not only is he the most talented, but he is definitely the most good looking. And he did, yeah, you're right. He didn't kind of like have a stylized look, at least at first. Right. And then he's he's And then he grew a giant soul patch. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And he had the frosted tips for a little bit too. He, and, and we actually, it's funny that you brought that up about the classic movie star looks because we actually talked about that in the NSYNC episode that we just recorded last week. So, Oh, that's funny. I just wanted to rattle off some of NSYNC's songs where JC's vocals are just highlighted so perfectly and beautifully for the girl who has everything. I'm not going to lie to the listeners. You all aren't going to hear this, but we literally talked about for the girl who has everything for a half hour during the NSYNC episode. <laughs> That's, uh, do you have the single? I have like the CD single of that. It has like six different versions of the song on it. Oh man, I didn't buy the only single that I bought was uh, "Music of My Heart." Oh, that's the only single that I bought. That's a good one. Yeah. So I never heard the version with Justin. So there's so much that I had just recently discovered for this podcast. That's cool. So I didn't realize that there was a version with Justin, and then there was the. I had obviously heard the version with JC because that was the one that was on the album. I didn't even know that For the Girl Who Has Everything was a single in Europe. I didn't know that either. So things that I've learned. Yeah, that's fun. I like that you can still find out new things about NSYNC. Yeah. And then obviously sailing, his vocals are just incredible. I mean, and it's funny because I, I, at the time, I was just like, oh, this is kind of a boring song (laughs) when this came out. Because I mean, you know, when you're nine years old, you don't really know, but looking back, I'm like, damn. Yeah. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. And now I feel like it's like my comfort song right now. It's a really beautiful song. Yeah. And it is, that's a cover, right? Yeah. Um, Criss Cross. Criss Cross. Yeah. yeah. That's Chris, the thing. Or Christopher Cross. <laughs> no, not, not to, to be, be confused. confused. <laughs> <laughs> oh, same way. <laughs> just flip everything around. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the same guys that did the uh, jump I song. love a good Criss Cross reference. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thinking of you again. This is another find. I didn't realize there was a JC version you and a Chris. Didn't vers- know. No. Wow. I I have a huge NSYNC CD collection. I should lend you. And I I can never decide what's my favorite because I love that Chris gets to take a lead. No. Um, but JC's version makes me feel more like I just when I listen to it, it hits me in a different way. Yeah. And the thing about the JC version that I don't like is the guitar solo. Mm-hmm. I think it's just kind of cheesy. <laughs> The Europe album is so cheesy. It's yeah. full of decisions like that, that you're like, whoever you worked with in America who decided none of this needed to happen, like really did you a favor. And the other thing too, is they replaced the guitar solo with the five part harmony arrangement. Yeah. So I'm like, obviously I'm going to want this <laughs> more than a cheesy guitar solo. And that's the other thing about boy band music that makes it so unique is, is the instruments are just kind of secondary. Mm-hmm. Not that they're not good and polished, but you know, the, the, the primary thing that you're focusing on as a listener is the vocals. It's the harmonies and it's the melody. Absolutely. So you're not supposed to focus on, there's like, there's not supposed to be a guitar solo. Absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. And when I was younger, you know, again, 11, 12, and people would be like, oh, but they don't play their own instruments and they don't write their own music. I, in my head, I was always making the argument. I was like, JC and Justin both play guitar. Joey plays the drums. Like they could play their own instruments if they wanted to. Yeah. But I, I think again, and I attribute it a little bit to them because I think if they had, if 
JC had been like, I want to bring out a guitar every tour, it would have been allowed. But I like that they didn't do that because that's not their place during that show. And I, I really appreciate that when a band understands what's best for the overall vision. And Kevin Antunes, their yeah. music director, is yeah. incredible. Oh, absolutely. Again, Boston guy. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, you didn't know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. He's, play, cool. he's played shows around Boston and stuff, too. Oh, that's cool. I Yeah. Kevin, you know, it's just one of those, like, obsessive, like, 11 or 12-year-old things. But whenever they would show the band on tour, the band on the DVD, or you'd go see them in person, or they'd be performing live somewhere, and you'd catch a little you in the background. You know, I could, like, name everybody in the band. Kevin Antunes was with them for a long time. Long time. Okay, so more than a feeling. This is another discovery that I I what? never heard it. It's incredible, and it's like it's like it's almost a cappella, which is the weirdest decision. That's so I, you have to get the European album. My my world was changed <laughs> after listening to this because I was like, holy crap! Because I, I I had heard their other a cappella stuff, but I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. But yeah, it's a wild arrangement. It's so yeah. interesting. Sorry. Robin Wiley did such an amazing job yeah. with their arrangements. But yeah, you're so right. It, it's almost a cappella, not quite. They definitely have a drummer in there. Okay. Yeah, it's it's but it's almost totally a cappella, which like I said, it's just such a weird decision for a debut release in Europe of an American band to cover that song and not have instrumentation on it. Like there's so many decisions made within that overall decision that I don't understand. And yet it lives on. Every like five years, I'll have someone be like, "Do you know that Insane covers more than a feeling?" I'm like, I do. I like that that continues to be discovered and bring new people joy. Yeah, I had to show it to my parents because I was like, "You guys, they were really good." <laughs> Did they like it? What they think? Yeah, my parents think I'm crazy. <laughs> they really think I'm crazy. They're like, "What is wrong with you? What is wrong with our daughter?" We are punk rockers. <laughs> what is going on here? But they they were actually excited. They were like, "Oh, they covered the Boston song." She was she like got excited, but then she's like, "Oh wait, I realized I don't like acapella." <laughs> and I'm like, "Mom, are you serious?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Do you know how complex this harmony arrangement is?" She's like, "Oh no, I don't doubt that. Yeah. I just it, the sound in my ears just is not pleasing to me." And I'm like, "All right, fine. There's no, there's no changing that." <laughs> We got sidetracked and forgot to mention how incredible JC's vocals are on this song. More than a feeling. 10 out of 10. Highly recommend listening to this absolute gem. Okay, and then obviously music of my heart. Yeah. JC's harmony with Gloria is just incredible. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's really highlighted, as with a lot of other JC stuff, it's really highlighted when they perform live. Mm -hmm. No strings attached written by JC, and also JC's vocals really do shine in this song. I have a hard time figuring out my favorite NSYNC song. No Strings Attached is definitely probably at least top three. Yeah, on the list. Yeah, and that, really the, song. the dancing too, oh, it's so good. The whole overall vision. Now, supposedly, I've always heard that attributed to JC. I'm sure everybody listening knows, but of course, you know, they got away from the overbearing label and what was the... Lou Perlman. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was trying to find a polite way to describe him. I'm glad you knew exactly who I meant. Oh, yeah. um, and away from Lou Perlman. And then so finally they had a little more control over their careers. One of the, and again, who knows if it was Lance Bass or the ghostwriter, but one of the things he talks about in the book is how long it took them for them to get their first paycheck. And, yeah. uh, that and then I how little the paycheck was when they first got it. So I did watch um, the documentary that Lance did about Lou. Did you watch that? Mm -mm. Okay. So that actually did happen. Yeah. Anyway, No Strings Attached, great vision, great dancing, great song. I 
think that's a huge part of what really launched their career to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like No Strings Attached, I feel like the sound kind of stands up a little bit. Totally. Am I crazy in thinking that? No, I okay. think it's great. I don't feel the same way about Digital Get Down. That's but fair. <laughs> <laughs> Digital Get Down, also written by JC. I mean, I still don't... Guilty don't. pleasure is like, Digital Get Down like qualifies for that for me. But even <laughs> at the time, and this is... How I feel about a lot of JC stuff, and I completely understand if someone doesn't, even at the time, I thought Digital Get Down was ridiculous. Like, I enjoyed it, but at no point was I was like, the message of the song is relatable. I, I, like, at no point did, it, did I connect to it in the same way I connected to songs like No Strings Attached. Sasha, tell me you did not <laughs> type A-S-L into the name. So many times. <laughs> <laughs> But Sorry. like I was like an eleven year old experiencing the internet, and I, I, I get that. And as soon as you're like a twenty year old man, and that's a pop star, and that's how you're connecting with people, it becomes a slightly, slightly different scenario. I I do love digital get down though, and I mean the dance, the and dance, the, and and that moment at the MSG concert with the moving platforms, Sasha. Listen, I have the DVD. I must know what moment you're talking about. When he humps the oh, stage. Oh, completely. And he licks the microphone. <laughs> there's, there's a common misconception that he licks the stage, but he's actually licking the, the microphone. Because the microphone is in between him and the stage. Of course. So. Uh, yeah, that's so funny. I totally forgot about that. Uh, but that was... I think that was the moment. Very big moment in my life. I mean, that was, yeah, that was the moment where I was like, oh, I'm feeling something right now. <laughs> I don't know what it is. And I'm only 10 years old. Yeah. Okay. This, I promise you, obviously, yeah. showcases his vocals so beautifully. It still gives me, like, goosebumps when I hear JC sing on that song. Yep. Yep. It, yep. There's just, it's timeless. Yeah. I really wish that I had a song in my wedding. But <laughs> one regret, but it's okay. Okay, obviously, bye, bye, bye. Yeah. JC technically sings lead, mm -hmm. co-lead, of course, but I think he's a little bit more of a lead. Because I think he has the majority of that song. Yeah, he does, especially with the ad lib yeah. portion. And then, of course, I thought she knew. Yeah, I, I, that's one of my all-time favorites. I really like when albums are structured in a way that the last track kind of gives a hint of musical growth and things to come on future albums and both of their major like no strings attached and celebrity both do that with the last track and i thought she knew i think is a, just a stunning song it holds up so well and it does jc i'm like i i don't know if you can tell i am getting a little emotional jc's vocals on that just hit in a way that like it like like it's like right inside it's a pang it, it's such a beautiful song mm -hmm. I know. I completely agree. 100% agree with you. I've been listening to a lot of I Thought She Knew in the past few days. Oh, just crying. Just crying. <laughs> but a good kind of crying. Yeah, exactly. That's just it. I love a song that is like sad in the best way. Do you want to hear something about Do Your Thing? Because you talked about how the I, last track I is. love Do Your Thing. Oh, I do yeah. too. So I don't know if you, you should listen to the Girl Who Are You Alone podcast. It's really good. They had an episode where they go through the whole celebrity album and there was this one person that called in and they were like, it's the perfect send off in sync song. Totally. Because it's, it's like, here you go, young girl, grow up, become an adult, do your thing. And that was their takeaway from it. And I was like, that is so beautifully said about that song. Absolutely. Because uh, honestly, I kind of always... 
I mean, I always thought it was such a cute song, kind of. But I, I was like, oh, like maybe it's kind of a throwaway song. But now I'm like, I really appreciate this song a lot more now. That's. I think it's placed on an album. I talk a lot about cohesion. I'm not sure it fits with the rest of the album. I think you could cut do your thing off at the end and it's a full complete album Mm -hmm. still Mm -hmm. but like I said I think it's like a hint of like where the music could have come I think if that was a single of a band that wasn't in sync it would have been a hit I would have gotten like uh critics attention it's just I still haven't heard another song that even really sounds like that and I love that it is relatable it's positive but it's mature at the same time it's not a teeny bopper here we go type of thing it is uh it is just a fully realized song absolutely Um, yeah I I go back to do your thing all the time I really love that track I love that track I love that okay so two tracks from celebrity selfish and the game is over Mm -hmm. both songs co-written by JC the modulation within selfish is just incredible JC singing the bridge belting the bridge during a key change is just fucking mind-blowing i don't know any other word to describe it (laughs) it's uh again i just such a gorgeous song um and then uh the game is over in my head and maybe because of the dances they do was always like a sequel to digital get down yes those songs connect again uh and you just again you see the growth between the first and the second the game yeah the game is over i I, i'm I think that's my favorite NSYNC song that JC wrote. Really? Mm-hmm. That's cool. I love how JC gets all metal on us. <laughs> it's, he And I use this word repeatedly when I talk about JC, but so much of what he does is unexpected, and The Game Is Over is a great example of that. Just want to get your thoughts on Black's Bring It All To Me featuring JC. Black's Bring It All To Me was a song featuring JC and released in 1999. While JC was still a member of NSYNC, and it was considered his debut as a solo act outside of InSync. However, JC was not credited as a solo artist and was credited as InSync. Oh yeah, I have that album too. Of course I bought it. And I struggled when I was thinking about going into this and thinking about that song. And the words I've come up to describe it are, again, it's unexpected. And a lot of his solo choices don't have the longest shelf life, which is how I feel about the, the Black song. It was even ridiculous at the time to hear J.C. Jose singing about his Tims and his uh, thug appeal, which is now deeply politically incorrect. <laughs> it's, it's the f- it was so funny even it's, at the time. It's, it's just so ridiculous. It's I like so can't ridiculous. help but but joke about it. <laughs> but. I, I still go back and listen to that song. I really think it's a great song. And it was cool to hear JC do something, again, so different from everything else that NSYNC was doing. And you're right. It says featuring NSYNC. On the, it says it on the album. It says it in the liner notes. And I can remember so vividly listening to it like six times in a row, trying to figure out where the rest of the band was. I did the same exact yeah. thing. I did the same exact thing because I was like, wait, is Lance, can I detect Lance in the harmonies of the chorus? Because there is definitely a bass singer in there. And I was like, is that Lance or is that just like a backup singer that they hired? So yeah, I was literally obsessed with trying to detect everyone else in NSYNC. Totally. <laughs> But that's probably just whatever any of them did at that time probably just had to be billed as in sync legally. I think, I, I think it was a Lou thing, but it's also, you know, Justin was supposed to be on that song initially. Oh, wild. Yeah, I just found that out in my research. And it makes it makes one wonder if it was if it was Justin, if it would have been billed as Justin or if it would have been billed as in sync. 
Uh, yeah, right. I can't say for sure. I can say just a lot of that is uh, like licensing and copyright issues. And I would imagine that it still would have had to be in sync, but it's so possible that Justin had his own deal going on at, at that time that created an exception. Yeah. It's just, it's just sad because he deserves all the credibility for his solo songs. Totally. But one song that he did do kind of, it's kind of pre or early in sync was the huge groove song. Give in to me. Yeah, I didn't know this one. I didn't know either. Did you did you listen to I it? I know, no. I uh, again, it's in my notes. I'll did you ever did you ever watch the uh, the Pleasure Island video? No. Oh, been... no. Okay. I totally have seen the Pleasure Island okay. video then. Okay. So, that's one of the songs that they do. JC wrote this with Dale and Tony Luca. They're not on this recording, but he wrote it with them and then JC sings lead and then performs it with Joey, Justin, and Chris. Lance wasn't even in the band yet. Uh, that's funny. They recorded this in 90 five early 95 before lance was even in there and then this didn't this huge groove uh track didn't even get released until 2000 but he is credited as the lead singer which yeah. he absolutely is yeah that's cool that's really cool yeah um and then again i wonder if between my career as a photographer and being a musician these this is where my mind goes but i wonder if it's because it was recorded so early on that he was allowed to be credited individually because it might have been before he entered whatever contract force him to be uh credited at sensing yeah this is just me speculating that's a really good point actually this is why i wanted you on here (laughs) because you have a really good perspective and knowledge on all this stuff so you need to tell all the listeners your experience seeing in sync multiple times Mm. and then seeing jc because not a lot of people got to see JC. So you are one of the rare <laughs> types of people. I really want you to talk about all those experiences and how they all compare. Sure. I'm lucky. I grew up in a very musical family and my mom has just always let me go to shows. I don't even know when I started going to shows. Like that's how long I've been doing it for. First um, tour, No Strings Attached. Second no tour, Pop Odyssey. Third tour, Celebrity. I can remember in fifth grade, NSYNC was on the No Strings Attached tour. And I literally, our local ticket master was inside Macy's at the local mall. I don't know if you remember that. I do remember Uh, that. And (laughs) so my mom and I, we literally, we showed up uh, really early one morning to essentially camp out for NSYNC tickets. And they did this really funny thing where they gave us each a number and then they drew a number randomly. And then that's where they started the line, which is an awful way to do it because that means there was like people at the front line who'd been camping out for probably two days. And then suddenly that doesn't matter. Sounds like a Curb Your Enthusiasm (laughs) episode. (laughs) It was really, it was really awful. But the way it worked out because of that is, I, I so vividly remember this, we got, we were number nine to buy tickets and then we waited in line and it was at an outdoor stadium and the show was. And so we got tickets and it was still just like we got the best tickets available and we only got mediocre tickets. The best thing about our seats, though, were that because we were so far to the edge and we were so high up that we could see backstage. And so like we saw Insync hanging out before the show. And that was like one of the cooler things of having crappy seats because we were high enough that we could do that. Show was good. I remember, I think I was supposed to go to Washington, D.C. with, like, student council that week, and my mom wrote a letter just being like, eh, Sasha really likes NSYNC, so we're going to do that instead. And then I saw them on the Pop Odyssey tour. Admittedly, it's all a blur because it all happened within middle school. Like, it was all, like, three years. So that would have been sixth grade. I know I got tickets. I could tell you who I went with. I don't remember anything about the tour. Except I remember I remember the digital get-down dance. 
And I remember just got paid. But Celebrity Tour is the one that's most vivid in my memory for a few reasons. One is, I should also note this was like more than 20 years ago. <laughs> this was exactly 20 years ago. <laughs> the Celebrity yes. uh, Tour, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, celebrity, I remember vividly. Everything before that's a little blurry. <laughs> celebrity, I uh, a friend who I had gotten tickets to the past shows with. And again, I'm, I've, I'm still this person. I always just buy a bunch of tickets and then if you can take them, great. The friend I got tickets from, it's, it's like the weirdest thing. The mom's like, dentist friend anyway hooked us up with incredible seats I was like I was in the front row of my section which was the section right above the floor for the celebrity tour and that's when they had the catwalk that came up above everybody and I I still have I should have brought photos I still have all the I had a camera with me and I still have all the photos can you send those to me Uh, I can and I will But it was incredible because it was not only was I the closest I'd ever been to a concert, but then the fact that they came out on the catwalk, they were right above me for a huge portion. And that was also the show that they had rope swings that they stood on and they swung out over the crowd. And so Lance yeah. was like directly above me for a little wow. while. And and yeah, and the music was great. That that was one of the tours that they did the like Motown medley on which is really nice and so it's again I don't know at what point they decided they were going to go on a hiatus but it was one of those tours that it felt like oh it's a perfect send-off tour because they got to do so much of what they just clearly had fun with it it was less of a visual production than some of their past ones and yet they explored more musical avenues and it really a celebrity tour was awesome um, it's still one of my like favorite <laughs> concerts I've ever experienced. I really wish I got to go to that. I only saw the Pop Odyssey tour. And honestly, I don't know if you remember this, but the Pop Odyssey tour came to Massachusetts before the Celebrity album dropped. So all those songs I had never heard. And I was like, I want to hear the songs that I know, you yeah. know? But I do vividly remember hearing Gone. And I was like, this is a beautiful song. Yeah. Because how the yeah. stage lit up every single time they said Gone. Gone. Yeah. It wasn't, it it didn't register with me that it was 90% Justin. Yeah. Because you could really hear the harmonies. Even in a big stadium like that, you could really hear the harmonies. So I, I didn't, it wasn't until I heard the recording of it where I was like, oh, this this is all Justin. Because you could really hear JC, you could really hear Lance, Chris, all Joey, all of them. So, yeah. So it was kind of sad to hear because I was like, this was so much better live. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed part one of our JC series. Tune into the next episode where Sasha gets into what it was like to see JC live. And we also take a deeper dive into JC's solo music. Got a question or suggestion? Email us at thismustbepoppodcast at gmail.com. Add us on Instagram at this must be pop pod. That's this must be P O P P O D. Obviously, there's it's just the two of us. Two of us. <laughs> um, exactly. <laughs> I just watched it. Yeah, Anna just threw deuces in the air and flipped them around a little bit, like the the actual two of us did. So you and I also share. So we grew up in the same town. Yes. So we've known each other for a long time. Yes. And we actually grew up not too far from the Wahlberg's house, too. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And I feel like everybody has a Wahlberg story. Oh, definitely. <laughs> someone growing up was their babysitter. Someone, or like their mom was their babysitter. Someone growing up was their neighbor. Everybody has a Wahlberg story. Yeah, it's either the Wahlbergs or Whitey Bulger. Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> I got a couple of those, too.